It is a great day to praise God, amen? It is so wonderful to be in front of all of you today. I'm so thankful for today and thankful for an opportunity uh, to come together in God's presence. I've seen some visitors that are with us today or some folks that are visiting. We want you to know you're our honored guest. We would love for you to come and be back with us any time that you can. Uh, I stand before you so thankful for today, uh, for the opportunity to be back and be able to speak to you again. I'm so thankful for a wonderful church family. Uh, I could spend the rest of the hour giving thank yous. Uh, thank you to all of you for your prayers and for your cards, for meals that were brought and texts visits, uh, general love and support, uh, I stand before you very humbled and thankful for a wonderful church family uh, that has been such a, a blessing to me. I'm thankful for those who uh, picked up the slack in my absence, uh, those who made sure that God's word continued to be spoken from this pulpit and God's word has been proclaimed in this place. I will tell you I'm a little nervous today uh, I've never had this much time to work on a lesson. Uh, I've never had this much time to think about one, and uh, I've never had this hard a time preparing a lesson. Uh, what exactly do you say? Uh, I know that what I've gone through is common to everybody. Uh, it's common to all of us. Suffering is a difficult part of life, and it's a part that we have to come to terms with in this world. Uh, I've thought of many of you uh, during the last six and seven weeks about the things that you deal with, uh, the things that you have walked through, and I've been able to walk through with uh, many of those with you. Um, and I hope today to just be able to speak to your hearts. Uh, I've prayed for God to help me to hold it together. Uh, what I desire for more than anything else is for you to be able to successfully walk through this life with God and successfully dealing with hardships and dealing with suffering is a big part of that. Uh, Satan wants to use hardships in your life to pull you away from God and to tell you to give up. Uh, and this morning, we're going to look at God's Word. And we're going to see some truths that are there uh, that are important to us, uh, that can hold us to Him. Um, God doesn't promise us ease in this life. Uh, that's not one of the things that He has promised us. Uh, we have to understand that the devil wants to destroy us. Uh, this morning, I don't know that I'm going to give you any groundbreaking, brand new information that you've never thought of before, but I do hope that I can help some of you that are right now going through trials. I hope that I can prepare some of you that will probably be soon entering into difficulties or trials, and I hope that I can direct uh, some of you that are doing your best to move beyond this period of testing in your life. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount that we've looked at this year, and you remember what he said. It's a story that we tell our young people many times. Uh, Jesus says, whoever has these, hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And what does he tell us about that? He tells us that the reason you need to build your life upon the teachings of Jesus is because rains will fall. Winds will blow. He says the flood is going to beat against that house, which is our life. But if our life is founded on the rock, it stands. A foolish man builds his house on the sand. And what happens whenever the storms come? The storms are coming to the wise. The storms are coming against the fool. Storms are going to come in our life. The question is, will our life be able to withstand that? And Jesus wants us to know that those storms are coming. 
Uh, the Bible never hides that. Jesus doesn't say, follow me, and it will all be uh, clear skies. Everything will be good. He, that isn't what he's telling us. He's telling us, yes, life will be difficult. Your heart can be broken. But I want you to build your life in a way that you'll continue to stand. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's talking to the Ephesians, and he says, I want you to be ready for those storms. The way that he points it out is, he says, I want you to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He says, look, you're going to be under attack, not only just that life happens to you, but the devil wants us. The devil is not concerned with people that are not concerned with God. He's already got them. He's not going to focus his energies on them. They're going to have their own consequences of what's happening in life. He loves it. But as soon as you decide, I'm going to get real with my walk with God, the devil wants to attack us. And what does Paul tell us? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil, in heavenly places. I wish I could tell you that I understand what all that means. What I know is there's things we can't see. There's things we don't know about. There are forces in this world and in existence that want to eliminate our faith in God. And Paul says, I want you to take up the whole armor of God and I want you to see this last verse. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. I want to remind you this morning, sometimes it is okay to just be able to stand. You know, a lot of times we would think, put on all this armor, well, I'm going to go and fight the battle, I'm going to go and win the battle, I'm going to go on the offensive, and I'm going to do all these things, because that's what a soldier does. But as he comes to the end of that, he says, I want you to put on all of these things in your life so that at the end of the storm, you're still standing. And sometimes that's okay. Life is difficult. Pain is real, and I think it's important for us to understand that it is okay sometimes to simply stand. Well, what's the strategy? Get firm footing. The words of Jesus are the rock on which we stand. As he goes through and starts to describe that armor of God, he says, I want you to put on the belt of truth. You're going to have a belt. This idea of what is true is going to hold everything else together. You're going to take that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and that's what's going to help you to be able to survive through those difficulties. Uh, facing difficulties and struggles is a mind game, and that is one I've been playing a lot uh, lately. I've been playing that game. Um, like most of you, I don't really like to talk about my problems. I would rather not get up here and talk to you about myself. Um, but maybe if I discuss it once, I'm being a little selfish here, I don't have to explain it 200 times. Uh, I can also give you a little bit of an update, and then we can like see John and not discuss what's going on with John. Uh, that's one thing that can happen here. Uh, but also just, I, I hope again, uh, to help you, because some of you are in it right now. Some of you are still trying to get past it. And if you're not one of those people, it's coming. Because if we live in this life, that's what's going to happen in life. Uh, it started August the 6th. It's been a while. I can, can you believe it was 37 degrees this morning? Okay. August the 6th, I got up. Uh, well, on, on that 
uh, August the 6th is when a lot of these things started in my life. I woke up, sat down at breakfast. It was a Sunday, and I was coming here to preach that morning. And I got an email that said, your Facebook account has been hacked. Okay, what does that mean? It says, well, it changed your email, so I want you to click here if that wasn't you. And I click here, and it says, that's disabled. And then the second email was, your cell phone number on Facebook's been changed. So if that wasn't you, click this number and click that number, and it said this link has been disabled. There's a one-time code that we've sent to you, and click this if it wasn't you. And I click it, and it says that's been disabled. Uh, my Facebook account was gone. Now, I don't, usually I use Facebook to keep up with other people more. I don't, it's not like I spend a world of time on it. Uh, somebody hacked my account. What that meant was the last 15 years of my life, on as far as, I don't do photo albums, I don't take a bunch of pictures, but my kids growing up, those pictures are gone. Videos of football games, memories, family, trips, gone. Now I had no idea that that was gonna be gone forever, but I think that is gone forever. I no longer existed. It's sort of like a house fire. It's like all of that stuff that I could have gone back and looked at, gone. I didn't know that that morning, but that's how that happened. We came, preached twice that morning, that Sunday night. Uh, went to be with mom. Dad was at the nursing, uh, nursing home. We knew that his life was coming close to an end. Uh, on the way to the nursing home, dad was taken into glory. Family came there. We had that. I went home that night. Um, you guys know I've got sheep and my goats are out in the front field and had something that really had never happened before. Uh, coyotes got into my field, into my animals. Killed my baby goat. Killed three ewes that night. That Friday as we're preparing for dad's funeral and to bury him, I get up that morning and I'd moved them all in the front field right next to my house uh, to make sure that they would be safe. I woke up that morning and six of them were slaughtered within 50 yards of my bedroom window. So I went out and had to take pictures of all of those. Uh, in the midst of the last month, I got rid of most of them. I had 30 plus animals. I think maybe I have nine. Sold about a third of them. Since then, I've lost four more, including two last week while I'm sitting in my house and can't do anything about it. Again, loss can come in a lot of different ways how it happens. Um, but those things all happened during that time. On August the 15th, the next Tuesday, is when I got up and I was like, wow, this weather's really nice. It's like 70 degrees. Stan Butt Sr. was coming to pick up a ram. He was wanting to buy one, and I'd put all the sheep in the barn the night before to keep them safe, and I was walking down my driveway and thought, well, this feels so good. If I go and get the ewes out of there, he can just see the rams, and you know that'll make this job easy, and since it's nice and cool, I'll go ahead and do it. Now, I'd gotten up at maybe 520. My family didn't know that I was up, and I went down to the barn, and it had rained the night before, so half of the room was muddy, and the other half was not. I was in the dry spot, and I had about seven or eight of them. I was trying to get one ram separated, and I walked towards that ram and took three steps. Okay, I don't even have a good story. Took three steps, but when my left foot hit the ground, it slid forward, and if I had just let it pull my hamstring, I'd have been all right, but I'm too athletic to do that. So right as I slid, I jerked with all I could to go sideways to make sure I didn't pull my hamstring. The problem was when I jerked, I threw my, right, my back foot into the mud and did the splits like a first baseman, and I hadn't played first base. Uh, what happened? I tore two of the three 
hamstring muscles clean off of my pelvis, and the doctor said the third one was just hanging on. What I knew was that I was laying in a pile of wet manure about four inches deep, and I couldn't move. I thought, did I break my hip? But I felt just a tearing, and I was like, I don't think I broke my hip. I laid there for three or four minutes until I figured out nobody knows I'm down here. I don't have my cell phone, and I'm not getting out of here unless I decide to do something. Meanwhile, one leg's behind me and one leg's in front of me. So I finally got that other leg in front of me and dragged myself through that muck to get outside of the barn, pushing backwards on my rear, and I realized they're not going to see me here either. So to make a pretty long, about a 35-minute story short, I crawled about 100 yards to get up to the driveway. I couldn't reach the gate to unlock it, and I was like, they're going to drive right next to me and not see me on the way to school. I finally got it. I had to stand up to get that unlocked, and when I got out, I thought, well, I have no idea what time it is. It's probably 6. Stan but Senior's supposed to be coming, but... Uh, and I decided just to try to walk it. I had a trash can there that I usually feed my animals with, and it was empty. So I grabbed it, I moved it 12 inches, and I slid my feet 12 inches, and for the next 30 minutes, I walked up to my house. Uh, during that time, I had conversations with myself. I had conversations with God, and I had conversations at the devil. All the while calling for help, when I got up about 20 yards from the house, Matthew heard me and came out and brought me crutches. Um, took about a 25-minute walk. Uh, the result of the fall was pretty bad. The doctor uh, finally, you know, took a while to see him. After the surgery that took twice as long as he thought, told Natalie, he said it looked like a bomb went off in there. Uh, and God has a lot of healing to do. Now, what are some lessons learned? Let's relax a little bit. Lessons learned. Number one lesson that I learned is I don't like the splits. Okay, I don't like it at all. Now, for the record, Allie, Allie Townsend and I have a little gymnastic competitions at times, and I do want to state for the record that in August of 2023, I did the best splits that have possibly been done in Columbia, Tennessee, yea, the world, on that morning. Uh, I went to do the splits, and it felt, and then it popped, and then my foot slid about another foot and a half after that. I'm not giving lessons, but I did see a good YouTube video that if you need a tutorial on how to do it, I'm not sure who this guy is, but uh, you know, that if you're looking to do those things, don't come to me about it. This wasn't funny at any point until like this week, okay? For seven weeks, none of this was funny. Now it's getting funny. Number two, lesson learned. Greatest invention in the history of man, okay? This is absolutely awesome. I will, I'm gonna buy a case of these things I'm not smart enough to know it though. It was like three, four weeks into it. My buddy right now, hey, they're half off on Amazon. $9.99. If you don't have one, get three of them. Okay, greatest invention, history of life. Uh, number next, I also learned that the hamstring is kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know that, but your hamstring is kind of a big deal if you have surgery to get that fixed. It affects whether you can sit or not. I still can't really sit. That's uh, sort of a problem. It affects if you can bend over, uh, if you can walk. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things if you lie down, sit up, do anything. Right now, I've gone through six weeks of therapy. They've yet to do one thing with my hamstring. 
So you can walk around a lot without it. Uh, you can look normal, and you're not normal. I said, well, I've never looked normal. But uh, it, it's a big deal. Uh, I still, I guess in a week and a half, I will start uh, rehabbing my hamstring. Uh, so please, no piggybacks or funny uh, pushing on me for the next few months anyways. Lesson number four. Make sure you love and take care of your spouse. I cannot emphasize this enough. Young people, when you find someone, you take care of him or her, take care of your spouse, love them, care for them, because there might just come a day where you are flat out of luck if you don't. Take care of them, because you may just sit in bed for four weeks and be able to do nothing without their help. Uh, build up credit now. All right, those are some funny lessons learned. Needless to say, this uh, put a lot of things in my life on hold. That Saturday, Nathan left for college. I didn't get to take him to college. Daniel left for college his last trip. Didn't get to take him there. Uh, obviously, the next week, a five-day getaway with my wife that I'd been looking forward to for most of the year uh, wasn't going to take place. My ability to serve this congregation uh, was gone in so many ways. Uh, it was replaced with six weeks of laying in bed, uh, trying to find purpose in every day, dealing with grief, helplessness, and inability to do what I thought I was on earth to do. I thought I had a really important purpose. And this said, no, you're going to do something else. Uh, my plans no longer mattered. I was going to be still. And there's lessons to learn from that. Have you been there? Uh, many of you have. Many of you have been there and you've dealt with that. Uh, I've been inspired by many of you who faced a lot tougher trials uh, than this, and you've walked with God through it to the other side. Uh, we are in a room full of people that have learned how to do this in a good way, and these are reminders today. I've taken encouragement from your example. Some that are joining us online, I'm inspired uh, by their faithfulness. And I have hope because of steadfastness that I've seen in other people. And I'll say this, I've had good days and bad days. Uh, that's, that's the way life works. Uh, and we know that as, even as God's children. There's days that we cry with joy. There's days that we just try to hold it together. Uh, and again, some days we just want to stand. And that's okay. I've used some days to the fullest and I've let some days slip by and be wasted because that's what we do in life. When this happens, we learn one day at a time. We say it all the time, but we don't learn that, do we? Uh, that's all that we have is today. Uh, but when skies are sunny and everything is good, we don't think about that. We let the days just run right by. But whenever everything stops and we have to stay still, that's when we have opportunities uh, to learn. What we need is reminders that are easy to forget in the middle of pain, uh, but they're the framework for dealing with difficulty. Uh, these things can't make your pain go away, uh, but they can help you to stand, and that's what I want to share with you in our time that we have left this morning. Uh, these are some anchors that Christians have in the storm. Number one, I want to just remind you that life is uncertain. 
We know that, don't we? One day, everything can change, and that's the way life is in so many different ways. James tells us that in James 4. He says, watch out. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and we'll spend a year there and we'll make profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. We're going to have a house with one kid there. I was going to work out and get in shape this fall. Believe it or not, I had my plans. I was going to actually try to see if I could get into some kind of other shape, I guess. Uh, that doesn't really matter, does it? Our plans don't matter. Life is uncertain. What we're doing with our children, what we're doing with our spouses, what we're doing with work, what we do with our health, it is all on borrowed time. We have today. So what do we do? We have to make sure that we are being who we want to be, who God wants us to be. And I want to remind you that life is uncertain. Secondly, I'd remind you that God is good. God is good. And as his child, he's going to be good to us. Man, we could read the 31st Psalm and spend some great time in that. I want to encourage some of you to look to that Psalm and see what David says about God. In verse 19, as he's walking through a number of different things that you deal with in the midst of difficulty, he says this, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, for you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. I want to remind you that God is good because in the midst of suffering, you know what the devil's going to tell you? He's going to tell you he's not good. In the midst of pain, he's going to say there's something wrong with God because of the brokenness of this world and you need to move away from you. But I want to tell you that an anchor that holds you in the midst of this is that our God is good. And what you have to choose to do is to look for goodness. You have to look for his goodness. You have to realize that that's what's there. You have that faith within your heart and then you start to open your eyes. And you can walk through one day that's totally wasted because all you're looking at is pain and sadness or grief or hardship. And man, just how messed up everything is. And you're going to miss God through it all. Or you can walk through the exact same day with the exact same experience. And I'll tell you that you can see the goodness of God in small ways and also in big ways. But you have to set your mind to look for those things. God has said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Not only is he good, but he's gonna, he wants to be with you. Third thing I want to tell you and remind you of is that all things work together for good. Romans 8, verse 28, we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to to his purpose. There's a world of time in our lives where we're like, how can any good come out of this? There's going to be times in your life where you're going, that verse can't be right in this place. But you're going to have to make a decision in life as whether or not you believe that God is going to make all of these things work out for good or not. But see, if we understand that life is uncertain and we know that God is good, 
I want you to walk through that storm in faith knowing that God can bring about a blessing in your life if you will seek him. If you will work together with him through what you're dealing with. If you will answer your call according to your real purpose in life which is to walk with him, all things work together for good. The devil wants to say nothing's going to come out of this. God says you can be blessed in this. That's why we get those difficult verses in the midst of trials like James chapter 1. What do you see in James 1, 2 through 4? Count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We see that. Maybe we've heard those words before, but it doesn't make sense to have any joy in the midst of a trial unless you understand that, look, life is uncertain, but God is good, and God is going to make all things work together for good. So what do you do? You do your best to look for that goodness, and you know that this trial is going to produce something in your life. God is good and he's working. And that trial, as you stay faithful, is going to create something in you. I knew these things. These verses aren't new to most of you. But what do you do? You have to make it where this is a part of what guides my every thought, my every decision, and my every emotion. And I think we all need reminders of these things. God is going to teach us something. A lot of times I'm like, well, I don't really want to learn anything right now. I, I know enough, right? I don't want trials. I don't really want more steadfastness or pay. Let me just stay the way that it is. Let life be easy for me. But as we know that these things work together for good, we know that so many times what happens is the trial we're facing is what creates within us what God is looking for in this life, even when we don't understand it. But I've got to understand these things, and it brings me to the fourth one, that God wants me to trust him. Do you trust God this morning? Regardless of what happens to you in this life, do you trust God this morning? Do you trust his plan? Do you trust his goodness? Do you trust what he can do in your life or not? We know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God wants us to trust him with whatever is happening in the middle of the storm when you can't see the horizon and you have no idea how to get out of this situation. I want to remind you, God calls on you to listen to him and to trust him. In verse 11 of Proverbs chapter 3, he goes on and talks about the idea of don't despise his discipline. This world trains us in so many different ways and say, look, God is going to be speaking to you. If you'll be listening, God will be changing things within your life that are not where they need to be if you'll listen to those things. And it happens through his word and it happens through events that happen. It happens through others that come into our lives and, and things that we experience. Uh, we learn a lot of things in a deeper way. I was listening to a podcast this week and the guy said, this world is designed to break us. Says this world wants to destroy you. That's what the devil's done. It is not an accident. He has designed it, and he wants to totally destroy you. Now, I disagree with the guy a little bit. I don't think that it's totally defined in every way to destroy us. 
But I do believe that this world is meant to refine us. The same fire that will burn a building to the ground can be used to put gold into a pot and it can burn out those impurities and make it more precious and more pure than it's ever been. And I believe that's the purpose of this world. The thing is that pain and sadness and difficulty can be so intense and it can come in a lot of different ways. But these things, if we'll trust God, will make us into something better. Sometimes it's grief. Maybe it's financial burdens you're dealing with right now. Maybe it's spiritual brokenness due to your own choices. Maybe it's physical problems that you're facing. But I want to remind you that in an uncertain life, God is good. All things work together for good, and he wants you to trust him. I know that we like good things in life, but I'm acutely aware that many times the only thing that focuses our hearts and our minds on our desperate need for God is loss. I wish I was better in the midst of victory or success, but few times in life have I been inspired to be a better man because of my success or because of ease or because of a great vacation, or because of the good things that are happening in life. There are many times where I prefer and I seek to avoid all discomfort and hardships and trials. But sadly, the fact is that for most of us, until we're driven to our knees, uh, we fail to pray like we should. Until things are taken away from us, we fail to prioritize our life in the way that we truly think and believe. And there are opportunities and moments of pain and sadness that really don't appear in any other way. And that's helped us. Last passage I want us to look at this morning is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. We read it before the, uh, before the lesson. I was up at... Mercy, I guess it was 1.30 in the morning I was reading through this thinking uh, that I had difficulties in life and you're reading through 2 Corinthians and you see what Paul went through and like we don't, one thing I've seen time and again through this is other people have real problems. Uh, mine are not that big when you start to see what other people are dealing with. And he was going through all these difficulties that he had but he had this verse and this verse 9 was on a card uh, in our bathroom off of our bedroom. It had been sitting there for months, years maybe. And my outing, my only outing would be to go from the bed to the restroom. And 2 Corinthians 12 uh, verse 9 was there reminding me of what life's about. But listen to what he says. Paul says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the great surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
I can't relate to surpassing revelations or the things that Paul went through or the punishment that was coming to him as he was striving uh, to be what God wants me to do. But I, I do believe I have something in common with Paul. And that only thing is that God's grace, I believe it's sufficient for me too. And I believe with all of my heart that God's grace is sufficient for you. His favor, his care. We have things in life that we wish we could get rid of. And what does Paul say? Three times I am begging, God, let this go away. And he says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Stay still, know this, know that it's gonna be okay. Know that my grace is enough. He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that has kept echoing in my mind. My problem is I don't like weakness. I like strength, right? I do all that I can to avoid loss. I try to be careful. I try to pay attention. I try to, we try to take care of ourselves. We don't want to lose anything in life. I like to have plenty. How about you? I don't like other people doing things for me. I'd rather do it myself. Anybody else? See, we get to that way that like, look, sometimes I can even take pride. You know what I take pride in? That I'm able to serve other people and do different things and do things for God or do things for the church. And you know what? That's what makes me, I could be fooled into thinking that's what makes me important to God is if I'm doing some things. And then when I can't do those things, all of a sudden is my value less? Is, am, I, am I less his child? If I believe that, I've missed something. God says sometimes for you to sit there and simply be faithful is what I need you to do. And that was a powerful lesson for me. I tell you this morning that God's grace is enough. In an uncertain life, we need the grace of God. We can trust that God is good knowing that because of his grace, he's going to make everything work out for what is good should help us in order to trust him. So in times of grief, in times of pain, in times of brokenness, in times of failure, in times of helplessness, in times of storm, I want to encourage you to rely on God's grace. It doesn't come to you through work. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God loves you when you can and when you can't do the things you think you ought to be doing. And it comes to us through faith. So I want to encourage you to have faith. Faith that says, I believe, regardless of loss, have faith. In the midst of pain, have faith faith. When storms rage, have faith. When this world makes it clear that it is not all that it is cracked up to be and what it is is a broken world that's going to test us in every situation, I want to encourage you to have faith. Have faith and know that life is uncertain, but God is good. He's going to make these things work out for good. I want to call you to trust him, and then I want you to just sit back and say, God's grace is sufficient for me. He's going to give me what I need today. His mercies are new every morning. Tomorrow he will give me what I need then and as well. I want to encourage you to have faith. 
As we close tonight, I want to ask you, do you have it? Do you have faith in God? I've given you some very simple truths that Scripture proved time and time again that many of us take for granted, but moments in life they will come to such focus that they will anchor us in the midst of a storm, or if we're unaware or if we don't believe these things, the storm will blow us out of the presence of God. I want to tell you this morning that God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He knows that storms are coming, and that's why he gave you his son on the cross. That cross anchors us. It lets us know that even though there's pain in this world, we have a father who still loves. Even though there is intense loss in this world, we have a God who understands. Even though we can't see all these things and how they make sense, God is working a plan that ultimately wants what is good for us and wants us to be in his presence. Are you ready to be in his presence this morning? If you're not a Christian, you're not ready. If you're only a Christian in what you say, but not in what you're doing, he calls you to change. God wants to bless you today, but you come to him. If you need to repent of sin, make that change. Today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. If you're not a Christian yet, life is uncertain. I can tell you, you have no idea what's going to happen the second you leave this building, but you have control of right now. And I want to encourage you to do what God would have you to do. If we can help you in any way, I invite you to come as we stand, as we sing.